Our guest tonight is Chuck Wright, longtime Quiet Riot bassist, who is proud and excited to release his first debut solo album, Chuck Wright's Sheltering Sky, on Cleopatra Records. The album features guest appearances from several of Wright's musical peers, including keyboardist Derek Sheridan, guitarist Lanny Cordola, vocalist Jeff Scott Soto, Troy Lucada, and the late Mr. Big Drummer Pat Torpy. The 11 tracks illustrate Wright's impressive songwriting and his ability to arrange and include some very, very diverse and exciting material. Sheltering Sky exhibits a diversity and breadth of musical styles that embraces facets of Wright's hard rock legacy, while also delving into a more varied side of Chuck's musical vision, as with well-written songs that feature ethereal guitar work, tasteful and soulful 70s-era influences, prog, jazz, fusion, and even a bit of heavy funk. Besides his usual outstanding bass work as performed on a variety of different bass instruments, Wright also contributes on keys and acoustic guitar on several tracks. It's a great privilege for me to meet Chuck Wright. He's a very, very warm and uh, accessible person, and he's so excited about this new album. I hope you will be too. It's a very exciting album for me to listen to and to get a chance to interview him. Welcome to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean. Our guest again is Chuck Wright. Cold weather. <laughs> I'm from California. Yeah. Well, I lived in California for about 14 months when I was a, when I was in my mid 20s, and I loved it. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, you know what? It's expensive here, but we say that that's the weather tax. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Well, where I live, it's it's practically snow for five months of the year, so it's it's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty tough. I could not deal with that. No yeah, way. no. Well, it's getting harder and harder for me to deal with, too. And uh, I I wanted to try to escape down to Texas or something, but uh, I'm a little bit leery of the whole situation down in that part of the world. I wouldn't go to Texas. That would be yeah. Texas, Florida, anywhere in the south are places I would avoid. Yeah. California is okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nevada, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, certain places, yeah. but it's hot still there. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Colorado's just, nice. Yeah. Well, I, I was in Colorado for a while too. I've been all over the United States. I mean, I, I just, oh, okay. uh, I traveled in my uh, previous life. I traveled quite a bit on business and things and spent a lot of time in San Francisco and that part of yeah, the world. Yeah, beautiful between, city. I love that Between city. Vancouver. That's, talk about expensive. Yeah. <laughs> between, <laughs> between Vancouver and that. So listen, uh, congratulations on the album. I'm, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. And, 
Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I can't imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing a solo record. It just it organically came together. Yeah. So, um, do you mind taking us through the genesis of the project and how it all came about? Because uh, oh, not at all, not yeah. at all. Um, previous to the pandemic, um, I've been so busy um, on doing weekend flyouts with Quiet Riot, right. and I also um, organize and run an event that I started in 2015 called ultimate jam night where, um, I coordinate, I have a team of people, but I do, I oversee everything, but I mm-hmm. coordinate between 45 and as many as a hundred professional musicians in a themed show. And then <clears throat> the name has the word jam in it, but it's really, everything's set up ahead of time. Everybody knows what song they're going to play when they're going to be on who they're playing with. Even I even send the endings out. Right. Um, so that people are aware of that. So, I basically never had time to just sit down and compose again. Right. If you look back in my past career with bands I've been in, I was a, a composer with House of Lords. I was a main composer oh, okay. on the Quiet Riot QR3. I wrote every song with the band and oh. contributed 100% on two of the, the, the more ballad-esque type songs. Right. And, other, and I've done a lot of other albums over the years where I've yeah. been a, a main writer, but I haven't had the time. So the pandemic hit. And I and I'm sitting there, and I just started looking around at all the empty cities, and I just started writing this song called "The Weight of Silence" because that's it. Kind of felt like a heavy weight because everything was silent, Um, kind of post-apocalyptic feeling. Um, And I wrote this song, recorded everything myself. I edited together a video with some drone footage of the empty cities and this empty um, subway train going through from the beginning to the end. um, Kind of was the thread. Of the whole and there's one uh, character and it's in a like the last man on earth that's in a hazmat suit right. he's the only human you actually see in it yeah um anyway i put that up and um uh, troy lachetta the drummer from tesla reached out and he said man i love that song it would sound great with drums on it and i never you know thought about uh that it being anything other than what it was and i said yeah give it a go for it you know so he uh recorded drums and at the same time, uh, one of my favorite guitar players in town named Alan Hines, who's known uh, as a you know jazz fusion player, sent me some solo work that he played over my tracks and I edited it together. And then uh, Derek Sherinian, who's a friend of mine, I heard he dug the song, so I asked him to do some Mellotron and some synthesizers. You might know Derek from, from uh, Dream Theater and Sons of Apollo and his solo records. Yeah. He has a killer new record out called Vortex. Okay. Anyway, um, so I put that out. And that on my this is before I got it signed. I, and then I just sat down, started writing songs, just uh, things I wanted to hear. Right. So, you know, just things I would want to listen to. I, I never had no plan, like I said, to do a solo record. So on the album, you're going to hear progressive rock stuff. You're going to hear some heavy funk right. stuff, some some industrial hard rock yeah. music. You're going to hear some like Sarah McLaughlin type ballad. You're going to hear a yeah. Robert Plant, Alison Krauss type yeah. folk song right you're going to hear a full-on celtic it should be in braveheart type song yeah, yeah. with uh my friend david victor sang so beautifully on that he, he, you might know him from when he was in the band boston right anyway to my surprise that very first song i was talking about and video three days before my record was released which was last week on the 20th um uh i, I was notified that i won best instrumental and best video 
at the Rock Music Alliance Awards. Wow. And it was presented by Tony Kay yeah. of Yes, who I actually know. Right. And I was unaware of the whole, I had no idea it was uh-huh. even nominated. And it was up against John Five and Joe Satriani and some yeah. other really great people that I hold in high regard. So I was I was totally set back by that. The timing was great. I thought, I go, great, yeah. I'm releasing my album and I'm winning more yeah. great. Yeah. So well, it just kind of came up, like I said, it's a very organic process. Yeah. Now, um, um, did, I took, I had finished five songs. Pardon? Oh, I was going to say, did you, uh, did you bring players into a studio for this or did you do it all by remote or? Um, oh, because of the pandemic, <clears throat> excuse me, because of the pandemic, everything was done, you know, separately. I would right. basically, I would think of a song, for instance, I was doing um, um, a Bjork cover right. um, army of me which i have two covers on the record right. and and i thought well i need a singer for this we'd be a good singer and then i remembered um a female vocalist named whitney ty who i've had down at ultimate jam night and i like her solo stuff so i reached out to her and she loved bjork so she did it <clears throat> and our relationship became so strong um musically that we actually co-wrote she helped me finish one of my songs called time waits for no one yeah <clears throat> and she uh She's on a song, uh, another song called Giving Up the Ghost, which is a song that I've held inside for a very, very long time. And I was finally able to to get it out. But I I basically will look at like what I'm working on. I go, you know who would sound good on this? Mm -hmm. I'm going to reach out to I think a Jeff Beck type solo would be really good. So I'd reach out to Jude Gold, who's a brilliant musician. He's now Jefferson Starship. Yeah. And he just did a brilliant solo. Right. Um, on, on uh, see you on the other side was yeah. the song. I love his work on that. He also did some other some other riffing in songs, but just brilliant. So I'm able to because of partly because Ultimate Jam Night having well over two thousand musicians yeah. have, have cool. joined us over the years, yeah. and, and and I've made friends with so many of them because they've come back a lot. Yeah. Um, and also through my career, I've I've made long lasting friendships with a lot of my peers, and they really liked what I sent them. You know, yeah. I said, Hey, check this song out. You know? Yeah. Well, and they really liked it musically and it, it, a little bit different for them usually. And, and they go, yeah, I'd love to be a part of it. So yeah. that, that's kind of how it came together. Well, you know, I was, I, like I said earlier, I was surprised, uh, I think, um, because I, the first song I heard was weight of silence. And that was the first song that was sent to me. Yeah. And I, I wasn't like sure. Pink Floyd or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. Um, uh, you know whether or not I'd be able to ask you any intelligent questions, uh, you know, because it's it's a it's a pretty strong tune, but it, it's instrumental, right? And then I wasn't sure. So when I was just listening through the album a couple of weeks back, I went, "Oh my gosh, there's quite a journey going on, and the lyrics and things." So yeah, you know, can you tell us a little bit about? Well, first of all, I wanted to ask, you have had such a, an illustrious career with not only uh, three or four main bands and some very popular bands, but you seem to do a lot of side work as well. Um, did that, that influence? Yeah, I've been blessed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think everything you do influences you a bit. Right. Most of my influences musically come from when I was first learning music and, okay. and understanding it and bands that I, I grew up with. I really got into progressive rock when I started, when I was a kid, we were driving down Sunset. I didn't have a driver's license, and and the <laughs> the marquee at the Whiskey A Go Go said yes, five dollars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that completely turned my head around, and I got into that kind of music. 
but I've been very, I've been very blessed, you know, to work with like Alice Cooper. Right. I did a long tour with him and right. uh, Greg Almond. I worked on his I'm No Angel record and right. um, Ted Nugent. I did one of his records. And yeah. as far as, and I've worked with members of Guns N' Roses and members of Kiss. Right. And just along the way, a lot of different people. I've also, a lot of people don't know, I was in a flamenco group for two years. Oh, um, I, I co-produced two reggae records right. and played bass on it. Yeah, right. um, I did an ambient trance record. Mm-hmm. I, I was involved in scoring seven films. Right. So a lot of people don't know all you know, the full spectrum of what I've done yeah. in these last uh, few decades here. But um, they mainly know me as this, the rock bass player guy, right? Right, but, yeah. But I think I, this record will you know, exemplify that I'm a lot more than that. Yeah, uh, and I hope people just give it a chance, listen to it. As you said, it's like a journey. It's yeah. like I, I kind of wanted to make it as it was developing. It became really cinematic feeling, right? And trying to sequence it was really difficult because of all the different styles yeah. of music. So I really tried to put it together so it almost felt like a concept album, even though it isn't. Right. So you'll notice that it's bookended by "Weight of Silence," and the last version of "Weight of Silence" at the end is the more stark original version right. where I played everything yeah, pretty yeah. much myself. Yeah. Now, do you, um, so obviously you play more than bass. Um, was, uh, is guitar or piano your main instrument? And then you played bass as a, well, as a working musician. Most of the songs, original pieces were written um, on acoustic guitar. I right. started with. Yeah. And then there's, there's a couple that actually started with bass. Right. Okay. Um, the song Farewell Horizon starts with a nice a bass yeah, choral yeah. type figure. Yeah. There's actually three basses on that. Some of the songs have three basses and they're, <laughs> they're in there subtly. It's not yeah, like in yeah. your face. Yeah. You know, um, for instance, uh, if you listen to, uh, there's a couple songs where you would expect to hear a guitar solo between a chorus and the next verse. Right. You know, and the second verse. Yeah. But I'm doing a fretless bass. Right. Kind of like Pino Palladino, right. fretless bass yeah. kind of vibe thing through it while other basses are holding down the bottom right i actually used an a-string bass too on one really? song just for oh like ultra a unique sound and holding down the tonics and yeah. the chord changes yeah so um yeah i've never seen an eight-string bass uh, so i i know that it's out there but so do you chord on well an there's eight-string? a 12-string one that <laughs> 12-string bass huh? really? so do you chord yeah, on a... tom, tom peterson oh yeah tom peterson plays a 12-string i mean each string is tuned like like for the eight string, each each it, there's four strings, but the each one's tuned the same. Like it's oh, two E's, okay, but it's yeah. a lower string and a higher, yeah, sure. higher higher gauge string. Yeah, that sound. Yeah, sure. So he has yeah. a twelve string bass, but they're, it's it's yeah. you'd have to see it. I mean, that's how Cheap Trick gets that gnarly sound that they have. Yeah, right. And he's a big part of the way they have that sound. Yeah, which I think they. Uh, I can't think of the band right now, but but. Uh, I know they, they borrowed part of their thing from, oh, a band called The Move. Right. There was a band out of England yeah, in the yeah. late 60s called The Move that yeah. has that sound. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Now I, I think that was an influence of their right. the Beatles. Yeah. Now, you, did you produce all these songs? Um, because I've read... I did, yeah. yeah. I oversaw everything. I, en- I engineered a lot. People would, like, um, send me, like I was talking about Weight of Silence, I got the guitar, all these guitar solo parts, right. and I just edited things together to create, there's a really nice melody he played, right. 
so I, I copied it and I had it repeat so that it would come again, yeah. but then he has other things in between right. so that there's a thematic feel to what was going on with that. Right. He basically just jammed over the song. Right. And I just kind of put it together. Yeah. So yeah, everybody, whatever came in, um, um, I would engineer and edit and place things or I would have them change something. Or I would, I would think, you know what, this one song, um, a good example, the song throwing stones, right. Um, I tried three different instruments as the solo until I found the right feel for it. At first, at first it was a harmonica solo. Right. The Joe Retta who sings it and he came up with the the vocal melodies on it. Right. And then, and then, in fact, it starts with that, but it goes into a guitar solo. Right. Um, and then I had a, a really nice organ solo was done, but it, to me it sounded a little too dated, like Deep Purple. Right. It was done really well, but it just wasn't fresh enough sounding for yeah. me. And that's I kind of wanted to keep the record unique and fresh but still have some 70s right. soulfulness to it yeah um overall well it does sound uh, very much now i mean it it sounds like a very modern record to me and i, I wanted to comment that the uh, the production overall the song sounds you know quite strong and consistent so it's a very noticeable well, album you know uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a it's because i'm not typically a heavy metal uh guy so i mean mostly i talk to singer songwriters <laughs> so i wasn't sure yeah. you know exactly uh, how i would interpret the album but th th there's some uh there's some pretty amazing uh, uh tunes here i mean and one of the ones that that i loved it caught my ear right away was darkness darkness and uh that so surprised yeah. me um, because th there were sort of themes in the songs before that, but then all of a sudden this came out of, uh, I mean, it's almost like a Celtic tune in a way, but uh, it's got something. Unique. It is a Celtic. Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. That song was actually, that song was actually written. Uh, it came out in 1969 by a band called the Youngbloods. Oh, okay. And it always okay. had like, it actually had a hint okay. of the, uh, the Celtic vibe with the, the fiddle, but I wanted to take it full on. So I have three drummers doing tribal drums right? and I have uh, a mandolin and I have fiddle and um, alien pipe, which people yeah. are familiar with that yeah. from, from, uh, from Titanic. That's right. real, that famous yeah. horn sound in there. And then it goes into a jig at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a song that I've always loved and I've always wanted to do like that as right. a Celtic. And because Doing a solo record, you really can do whatever you want, pretty much. If the record, you know, and I'm with the label that just said, "Yeah, go for it, do yeah. whatever." Yeah. Nobody's telling me, "Oh, you've got to do this three-minute pop tune." I'm just doing what I think, what I like, yeah. what I want to hear. Yeah. You know, and that's well, kind of how it went. Yeah. Now, I'm glad you picked out that song because it is, it does stand out. Well, you know, I left field. Yeah, it just caught my ear because I tend to gravitate to, you know, I have pretty big influence from east coast and from britain and things so it just caught my ear first but i mean that's right. only one of the many powerful songs it, certainly uh uh the other song that's very very powerful and seems quite personal is uh, the other side and uh, yeah that also that is personal yeah that also has a very interesting kind of style like the way you approached it with i guess there's double it sounds like two guitar acoustic guitars starting off or something i could be mistaken but there it is and yeah. i'm playing the acoustics but there's 
there's five guitar players on that song. <laughs> okay. And um, <laughs> I, I actually, I actually wrote that song um, in one sitting from right. top to bottom. Right. I even had the chorus idea right. and everything because I got a phone call that Frankie Benelli died. Oh, okay. You know, so it, so it's basically, it is, a, it's a song of hope. Like I'll see you on the other side. Right. Basically is what it's saying. Yeah. Um, and it made me think of everybody else, like my mom and, and I've lost like seven of my best friends sure. over the years. And, yeah. and it, it, it kind of brought those feelings and that's what came out in that music. Yeah. Well, and the song, and then I developed it from there. Yeah. I actually went and finished the verses uh, with a singer that Frankie had been working with most recently before he passed um, named August Young. And it, the song kind of has a Zeppelin feel to it. And, yeah. and August is in a Zeppelin band that Frankie was in called Mr. Jimmy. Right. So I also reached out to a couple of the other guys in that band to play on it. Uh, Joel um, Pelletier plays uh, Mellotron and organ on it. Mr. Jimmy did some stuff on it. And, um, you know, but it, it ended up having, yeah, five guitar players because you hear there's slide guitar by Tommy Pittum. Um, and and then there's pedal steel yeah. and there's acoustic guitars and then there's a regular electric guitar and then that has that killer solo by Jude Gold in it. Right. Yeah. Now, do but you? Yeah. See, I was able to just build the songs and develop them. And, right. Yeah. And say, hey, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I basically put the ball in their court. I would say, hey, what do you think? This is what I'm working on. Right. And every single one of them wanted to respond. So. Yeah. That's wonderful. Now, do you do? Yeah, it's been very. You know, do you do the mixing yourself? Do you? Is that your uh, one of your oh I strengths. use I actually have um there's a few different people that have mixed mixed the songs right with my input okay because I'm the producer on it right um there's a few songs that were co-produced by uh, my good friend now uh, Tim Jensen's who's um an award-winning film composer so that's part of why you it seems cinematic because he adds things too right. he's a keyboard yeah. player right. and he adds sounds and yeah. does different things I add sounds too and he adds even more sounds. Yeah. Um, and so that's why the record seems so deep. Yeah. He also is, is uh, if, if you've seen, have you seen the videos? He's like the cinematographer editor too. He's an amazing no, I uh, genius, I think. And yeah, I brought, I brought him, uh, I brought him in and, and uh, he mixed, you know, a lot of the songs on there. Right. Um, another friend, Thomas Johansson, Walter Eno, who uh, plays, played with Eagles of Death Metal and uh, Survivor. Right. Uh, mixed, okay. yes. uh, mixed Weight of Silence, actually. Right. Um, yeah, so different guys. Yeah. Um, I'm not set up with that kind of studio yeah. to do that. I've just got a little home thing here. So, yeah. um, you know, when it came time to mix, I wanted it to be as good as it could be. So I went to guys that had yeah. real studios that could do it properly and they're, they know what they're doing with mixing. Yeah. Because with that art form. Yeah, it is. And with that many instruments too, and players, it's pretty hard to yeah, uh, yeah. make it all stand out and sit in the, in the right spot. And, uh, right. Yeah. But there's you, a lot going on. <laughs> there, it's a, that's I what think, I think this out. This album's a really good headphone album. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's perfect for listening to you know intently and uh, yeah, it caught me. Uh, it's been taking me by surprise each time I listen to it, and I'm quite actually thrilled to have been oh, introduced to you this way. Now you know, speaking of uh, Benelli, if I'm pronouncing his name right, Frank, um, I can't remember. Yeah, Benali. Yeah, like so. You were involved. Well, some people say Benali, but it's Benali. Yeah, you were involved with uh -huh. him in Quiet Riot for a long, long time, right? But didn't you leave? Yeah, we. 
quite yeah. right before he passed away, or was it something else going on there? Uh, no, we we've been playing together uh, since 1981, off and on. Right. But I spent 26 years of my life as a rhythm section with Frankie. Right. Um, and I've been in and out of Quiet Riot, I think, four or five times. Yeah. Um, that's why you see so many other things on my right. my discography and, and resume with different bands because things are always in flux with that band. There's actually um, a documentary called "Well Now You're Here, There's No Way Back." Yeah, that um, was on Showtime for two years. Right. They said we'll give you two weeks to see how it goes, and then they kept it on for two years. Yeah, and that that film tells the whole story really well right? about, about the band. And it has a whole segment of guys in and out, in and out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It had I'm the, on nine albums. Yeah. My question was just one brief question about that period, because they were so powerful, uh, so popular around that particular initial period when you played initially with them, it must've been wild touring during that period and things like that. Or well, do you want to share the, the backstory on that? Um, uh, with with that whole thing is um, I was in a version of that band called Dubro, which was named after the singers Kevin right. Dubro. Right. And we did the clubs and we did the demos. They got the record deal, and um, I, I'm playing bass on the Metal Health record on Bang Your Head and Don't Want to Let You Go. Right. And I sing on every song. Right. But during that time, I had my own band where I was the main guy, okay. main writer. It was very popular in L.A. and during this period around uh, 82, um, Randy Rhodes um, had passed away and Rudy right. Sarzo, who I had replaced, right. um, came back and he rejoined the band. Okay. So he actually did those initial tours. And then I, I came on the second album, came in and did, they wanted the same vocal sound. So I sang every track and I actually played bass on one song again. Right. And then um, I was in a band called Jafria and we had a hit and toured with Deep Purple and Foreigner, sold out arenas. And then I rejoined Quiet Riot for QR3. Okay. So I'm a, that's when my official, like, in the band, in the pictures, on the tour, right. that didn't happen until 87. Okay. And then after that, I, I put together House of Lords with uh, Great Jafria right. uh, through Gene Simmons of Kiss. He had his own label. Right. And that, that was together until, like, 91. Right. Yeah, I don't know that. So that's that whole history in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, now... Um, you, how did you manage to uh, get connected with Cleopatra Records? Did they, uh, did they well, know what your I've backstory done, or? You know, well, he, this is how it happened. I, I finished five songs and the, the video for Army of Me, which you need to see. Yeah, I'll, well. I'll send you a couple video links after yeah. you get done. Okay. But um, I, uh, I, I basically had um, five songs finished. And this video that I did with it has 3D animation in it. Uh, I did with my friend Drew Lanius. Um, and I said, you know what? I think I got something here. Let me see if somebody might want to, you know, I had a bunch of other songs almost finished. Maybe someone will want to come on board and put it out. Who knows? You know, mm -hmm. it's I, I didn't know what to expect because it's such an eclectic, diverse record. And um, I, I went to Brian was somebody that I knew from working with before. And um, I know him for years and, and I said, what do you think? And he said, yeah, let's do it. So right. that's how that happened. He right. just, and he, you know, he doesn't interfere. Some labels get involved, yeah. too involved, I think, yeah. in the creating art process. Yeah. And he just let, you know, do your thing and and uh, totally supportive. And they're behind me all the way. And um, 
that's kind of how it happened with him. Can we just look at a couple more songs there? I don't know how much time you've got, but um, the one other song that I wanted to ask you about, of course, is Throwing Stones, which is out on a video, I think, too, as well, right? But that's... Uh, yeah, that's my newest single. Right. And and I did do a video for it. Now, the interest, you were going to ask about the song, or do you want me just to... Yeah, no, please. Well, the one thing that just struck me about the lyrics and uh, the thoughts in the song, because, I mean, throughout the album, there seems to be a theme, we, we got to do better or something, if 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 I'm interpreting yeah, that Yes, so, right. well, that, and there's a lot of hope, and, yeah. and, and definitely Throwing Stones, um, lyrically... It's an anti-war song, yeah. and it was written before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Okay. Yeah, which you know, I, I so I called Joe Retta, who wrote the lyric Nostradamus now, but um, he he also wrote the vocal melodies on it. I sent him some tracks that I had, and he just knocked it out of the park with right. that one. Right. And so um, when it came time to pick a second single, I went with that one because it's topical, and uh, the video reflects it right. when you see the video. Um, you'll understand what I'm talking about with that. Um, it yeah. reflects what's going on in the world. Yeah. As as did Army of Me. Um, when I put that video out, it reflected the unrest. Yeah. That was going on with the rioting, and and I have an army of Ruth Ginsburgs and and Antifa outfits. Yeah. Marching to, on Washington. So right. <laughs> you got to check that out. Yeah. Well, for you sure. Know? And uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you feel yeah, throwing stones? You know what? That's. For people that don't know, that's a song. Um, one reviewer compared it to. They said, "Imagine Primus and Stevie Wonder getting together." <laughs> so, which is an odd combination. Of, yeah, of, you of know, uh, to be honest with you, Chuck, I didn't hear those kinds of influences. I, I at first I thought I was hearing something else, and then when I listened to the album more intently, it felt like a new experience, and it felt. Um, um, you know, it seemed t so timely. And, you know, the f I was just kind of wondering thematically, if you were thinking of that, is that what you're trying to tell, you, you know, reaching out to people and saying, hey, you know, we got to look at where well, we're at. Well, you know or, what? I think it came from, I think it just came from what I was feeling during okay, the pandemic, okay, a lot yeah, of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so there's, there is a lot of, I guess maybe a darker feeling in a lot of the music, but it also has a lot of hope. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Well, um, I like giving up the ghost is about just letting, letting go of, yeah. Of, of things that are holding you back and moving forward. Yeah. Talk about that song for a little while because, or, or for a bit, because you mentioned that a couple of times. Sounds like an important song to you on oh. this album. So could you mind sharing a little well, bit? Well, yeah. That? It's basically, you basically, um, I have a this would this song is perfect for a, a particular friend who um, was in a very serious relationship for many years and then they parted, but three years later she's still letting that holding her back from oh, moving okay, on yeah, sure. and and get, and being able to open up her heart right to something new right because she's always thinking about that past relationship right. yeah so it's 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 kind of like or or whatever the situation is maybe. You lost somebody in your life through whatever reason, and that you keep holding on to that, and it's keeping you from moving forward and yeah. moving on. Yeah. And I wrote the I wrote the music to it and, and uh, lyrics a while ago. I just never uh, recorded it, right. and yeah. when I had this time to do it, I wanted to do it right. right. And I thought Whitney Ty's voice was perfect for that song. Yeah. I wanted it to be a female vocal. Right. Um, it's because it has that kind of softness to it. Kind yeah. Of, 
Sarah McLaughlin kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Canadian, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well known, that kind yeah. of, yeah, that kind of, yeah. that kind of feel to it. You know, sure. now um, I'm a big fan of hers, and yeah, I, well, that's good. Go ahead. That, did you? How many of the other songs did you sing on? Because I think there's a couple other vocalists on too, right? I mean, there's one other female. Oh, I, yeah. I, I personally, I made the choice, even though I sing. Yeah. I made the personal choice that I wanted the best of the best. Okay. For these, for this material. Right. So I don't sing at all. Oh. And, okay. I, and I certainly could have. Yeah. But I chose to not. I go well. Why should I diminish my own record? <laughs> if it can be yeah. better. Well, that's so. A, that's a, yeah. I do have a lot. I have a, a lot of um, fantastic uh, vocalists on it. Right. Uh, Jeff Scott Soto. Right. Um, who you might know from Trans Siberian Orchestra, right. and he was in Ingve Mountstein and right. um, Sons of Apollo, um, and his own solo work. He's an amazing talent yeah. and super prolific. I sent him that track with the vocal ideas and the lyric. Right. And I'm not kidding you. Three hours later, he sent me back. He goes, okay, what do you think? <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. It just, my ass. Oh, I mean, this is fantastic. Yeah. And what I know about him, a lot of people don't know because he's known as a rock guy. I mean, he was in journey and all that, right. but he is an amazing R and B singer. Right. And that vocal is very, very soulful, very yeah. R and B oriented. Yeah. It's a heavy funk tune like living color maybe right something there's two heavy funk tunes on the record yeah because i'm a bass player i love funk right yeah for <laughs> sure yeah yeah so now, yeah now are you going to try he's to... one of he's one there's a there's a oh, sorry go ahead mm-hmm. you talk about the vocalists because that's pretty important that you stood back and let other people sing on this that's um you know that's well um uh, just there's a few others on there i, I mentioned august young and yeah. who i really enjoyed and when i had the piece uh written that i wrote on acoustic guitar called cradle of the sun lorelei um and the word lorelei is is what it's about and what it's sung um i brought him in but i wanted it to be like a duet like the okay. the robert plant allison krauss kind of thing right so i brought in this great singer i know named shelly bonet right and she sang on it so you hear those two voices and then i had them do multiple stacked voices to create a kind of a gospel choir yeah feel yeah for that song well um which was kind of cool and and something that happened with that particular song i that i was unaware of and it kind of caught me i went what you're kidding me someone said hey so that that's interesting that you use lorelei um for the song and the lyric and i go well why that song that name just came into my head right when i was writing it as something to sing and they go it's because it's it's a uh, mythological uh person that's half half mer it's like a mermaid right in germany on these rocks that would call the ships in for them. yeah so they'd crash on the rocks yeah yeah and i go i didn't even know that when i came up with that name oh, that's just that's, one of those weird yeah that's synchronicity that right this record. yeah that's pretty interesting yeah yeah so yeah, yeah the, and uh i think i mentioned everybody david victor yeah uh, who sang with boston yeah, and yeah i, I didn't get young, the credits so you know Jaretta. yeah i didn't Oh, you didn't? John, oh. John didn't send me the credits. Well, so you know what? You can. I'll go look them up. I'll tell you what. You can go to uh, chuckwright.com. Yeah. It should be there. And right? if you go to the new album link. Yeah. If you go to the new album link on my on chuckwright.com, if you, you could scroll down and you'll see all oh, the songs listed. Yeah, that'll be helpful. Who played what? Yeah. I have 41. 41 guests on it. They're yeah. all friends of mine. Yeah. I read you that know, you just, had over 40. Just the way it happened. Yeah. I had read that you had over 40 yeah, this, guests. I did a head count. Wow. 
That's extraordinary. I yeah, was going to ask. I thought it was like 35 or so. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you how you coordinated all that, but obviously you knew where you were heading artistically and vision wise. Is, is there a well, name? I, I did. Yeah. Is there a reason why it's called Sheltering Sky? Is that one of the songs? I can't remember. Um, no, it's, no, it's, I, I, I purposely didn't want it to sound like an album title. I wanted it to be like a full encompassing name check, right? Sheltering Sky. Right. Because there's so many people involved in it. Right. And also because of what I do um, with, with Ultimate Jam Night, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm overseeing all these musicians. Like I'm the, the, the sky or the umbrella yeah. protecting them. And I'm trying to put everybody together. And that's kind of how the name resonated with me. Yeah. Do you know, did so, you, and I thought it, I thought it matched the music really well. It I does very well. Yeah. Kind of it does very well. Yeah. It works perfectly. Do you, do you know, uh, Robert Fripp has a thing where he has a thousand guitarists playing at once. Do you, have you ever heard of that? Did you ever know? Um, he's done no, this. But I'm a Robert Fripp fan. I'm surprised I don't know that. <laughs> he's done I mean, that. When I was in tenth grade, I did it. My English. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, sorry about the lag here. He did. The, he's done that for years and years since way back in the uh, early '70s, I think. And uh, they they work on a certain kind of scale or something. Uh, somebody sent me transcripts huh. to the pieces they work on. But can you imagine a thousand guitarists all playing at once? It would be just no. I mean, I, I try to coordinate like eighty people. And yeah, it's insane. Well, well, that's why I mentioned it. I thought, geez, that must be the same experience, you know, having all those players. Because usually guitar players, you know, trade licks or something, or you know, trace phrases or choruses or whatever. But these guys all right. play at the same time. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, will will you? Uh, Will you try to tour behind any of these songs? Will you try to take your show out on the road you know, somehow? Honestly, I that obviously that question always comes up, and for me to pull off um, this record um, the way I would want to live, yeah, where it was an immersive experience and you could really feel what what's going on, I would need like Roger Waters' budget <laughs> or Paul McCartney's budget <laughs> because. Because there's so many musicians, yeah, and I would want it to be rear screen projections to yeah. kind of tie it all together. Yeah. And I, I mean, maybe I could do a couple songs off this and some yeah. songs from my past, but right now my my focus is I just want people to listen. Yeah. You know, yeah. give it a give it a shot. I want this record, this album, to be my legacy because yeah. um, it speaks to my musicality and what I'm about, and not something I did back in 1983 or 82 right. or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, and certainly I, I want to be clear that I wasn't meaning to focus on the past because this is clearly, uh, you're clearly somebody oh, who's no, no, no. You know, doing something vital right now. Well, listen, man, I want to thank you for say, taking the time to talk to us. And I think the album is quite extraordinary. It's, I'm sure it's going to find some listeners. Are you planning to do a second album? Do you think you'll have a second solo album at some point? Oh, you know what? I have extra material. Yeah. We'll see how this does. We'll see if people, if it resonates with enough people to right. warrant that. And the same thing for doing live. If enough people go, you got to play this live, then I'll yeah. figure something out. Yeah. You've been listening to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean. Our guest this podcast was Chuck Wright. His new album, Sheltering Sky, is an amazing tour de force. 
journeyman musician. Please check it out. Chuck Wright's Sheltering Sky. Thank you. 